He's good. Yeah, so that's pretty impressive, isn't it, that video? Everything you see in there, all the new classrooms, all the new lab, all the drop ceilings, petition walls, all that stuff is what we just had gotten sent down there, and they've gotten it all completed, and the kids are in school. Just imagine every one of those kids that you saw right there would not have a chance in the world had they not been at Casa Angelina. Amen? Those kids are rescued off the streets, the dumps, and everywhere as orphans there in Guatemala, and not those kids are, you know, they're not, that, this is not, this is what cracks me up. They're getting a better education than you could probably get anywhere in Guatemala as if it was, you know, like they're getting to go to the, I don't know, whatever school it would be that you had to pay big dollars for here. They're getting it all right there and praise God. It's amazing. So praise God. So hello, overcomers. Y'all are all here. You made it through the snow. I don't, I was wondering what, uh, you know, the, what, I don't even know what channel it was. Uh, one of the, the. TV channels I turned on, what, what was playing that morning was Jeremiah Johnson. Shows a guy frozen to the tree, hold his gun. And I was like, yeah, we want to watch this white snowing outside of me. Come on. You know, I got to go out there and pick, fix pipes in a minute, you know. Find me dead with a piece of PVC pipe. Ah. <laughs> you know, so uh, it's just been crazy, hadn't it? But you're still here and you're still standing, man. You got a smile on your face. You've come. Glory to God. You're an overcomer. More than a conqueror. Amen. So give yourself a hand clap this morning. Still alive and kicking. So I was there, you know, throughout all. And, uh, and I got to tell you, you know, like there, at first you're like standing at the window. I don't know if this is y'all, but I was like, I rebuke this in the name of Jesus. Foul devil from the pit of hell ain't sending no snow on me. And then before long, it was like, uh, it's getting worse, Lord. <laughs> What's going to happen now? Then snow's building up outside and snow's all over the porch and snow's everywhere and snow's everywhere. And I'm looking out my window and I'm like, this is the wrong picture. This doesn't compute. My brain is saying I'm in the wrong place and I feel weird and everything, you know. And so I was freaking out a little bit. And uh, then I just decided I was just going to sit down and if I had to be snowbound, in the house, couldn't go anywhere. I was just going to let the Lord enlarge me. So I sat down in my easy chair and I, 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 I said, okay, Holy Ghost, here I am. You're going to have to just, just I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give you chance right now. I'm going to stop thinking about everything. I don't care what's going on. I don't care what's happening outside. I don't care that I'm in a freaky world of five degrees in South Texas, you know, but you're just going to speak to me. And so, uh, most of y'all know David Cook. You know, he's a, a good friend, a blessing to this church and, and, and a, a part of, you know, that did the movie Seven Days, Seven Nights in Utopia and, and the books and the stuff and all that kind of stuff around here, you know. And, and uh, his new book was sitting there and he'd given it to me months ago and I hadn't read it. Uh, I, and don't worry, I told him this already. I had a conversation with him. So y'all are, you shouldn't have said that on the deal. He heard you. No, I hadn't read it. And it was sitting there, and I said, okay, well, I'll start here. It was a small book. You know, it's not very thick. And I said, okay, I'm going to start with this one. And uh, so I got it, and I started reading it. And, of course, I'd read my Bible that morning, but it's kind of like reading your Bible looking outside like, uh, you know, so it's kind of freaky reading. But anyway, uh, I started reading the book, and, and, and I started seeing how it paralleled with what I had read that morning in the Scriptures, and then all of a sudden the Holy Ghost just popped open, and bing, bada, boom, bada, bing. Here he goes, man. The Holy Ghost starts flowing. I start getting joy. I start getting happy because I got this message that I'm going to be preaching to you. Uh, for It's going to be a while. It's not going to be like a one-time deal. I'm just going to try to ease into it and try not to just, you know, like 
like just at all at one time and try to, you know, get this thing going. But we're talking three or four weeks of messages that just, just erupted in my spirit. And I began to share my wife and look at this, look at this, like this. And then all of a sudden, you know, I wasn't thinking about snow. I wasn't thinking about what was going on. I wasn't thinking about what was happening because it was just me and the Holy Ghost just chewing on this, this revelation. So, so here we go. Okay, and so this, the title of this message, which is going to be like three weeks, so it's going to have to be one, two, three, four, or whatever, I don't know, maybe, it's called the Titus Effect, okay, the Titus Effect, and I'll get into that later, but right now I have to lay a foundation, otherwise what I get into here, you're not going to, uh, to really be able to absorb it all, because you're, you know, if I just throw it out there, you're just going to say, oh, and then go on, we've got to build on it for a little bit, but you know, I've been asking the Lord ever since last year, what in the world are you doing? Right? I mean, that's truly the answer. Everybody is. All the, all, everybody you look at says, saying, well, God, what are you doing? What's going on? What's happening? And, I, and, and as I've said before, and nobody knows nothing about what God's doing. There's a lot of maybe semi-predictions, but there's no, there's no, there ain't no, nobody says, oh, God is saying, yea, hey, thus saith this. So, I've learned over my walk with Jesus that when I keep asking the Lord about something and I keep getting no answer, that there's a really good possibility I'm asking the wrong question. Are y'all with me? And so I changed through all of this and what the revelation God was speaking to me, I stopped and I said, okay, Lord, I've been asking the wrong question, haven't I? That's why I'm not hearing anything. I'm asking the wrong question. So I said, okay, well, what question do I need to ask? Just tell me that. Let's just get it over. What question do I need to ask? And he said, what can I do in you? Instead of what are you doing, what can I do in you? And I was like, mm, okay, this is probably going to hurt. You can already see it coming. You're setting me up for a big, you know, and so anyway. So here we go this morning. I want you to get your Bibles out. I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. Now, I can guarantee you today there may be some, some painful things I say that you don't really want to listen to, but if you would just stick with this message to the end, I'm telling you, I, the, the revelation of this is uh, life-changing. It will help you. It will give you peace. In the midst of the storm, you're gonna you're gonna be you're gonna be so glad you heard it. So just bear with me, okay? Let the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, Holy Spirit, do what you want to. First Corinthians fifteen ten says, "By the grace of God, I am what I am." Now, a lot of people have used that as an excuse to not change or try to improve themselves, or allow the Holy Spirit to motivate you to change, okay? So you use it as an excuse, but I want to show you something here. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. His grace towards me was not in vain. Now, if the grace, Paul's saying, if grace towards me is not in vain, listen, that would be like saying, you sent money to Guatemala, but it was in vain because they didn't do anything. But you see from the video, children are being taught, children are being educated, being blessed, taken off the streets, loved, taught the love of God, and are going to be great productive people. So you see that it was not in vain, right? So then Paul's saying grace has value. Grace is not an excuse 
Grace is something of great value. Are you following me? Everybody say grace is value. In other words, just Paul says, man, it, the grace you sent me, it wasn't in vain. It, it, that, that, that great valuable gift that you sent me is doing a work in me. And I am, but if it wasn't for grace, I would be less a person. He said, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was in me. So he's saying, wait a minute, I worked, but it really wasn't me doing it. It was the grace working in me. Okay. So first right off right now, I want you to get, I want you to get hold of that one thought. Grace is working in you to make you more like Christ. And it's a valuable thing. Grace is not an excuse that you're not developing. Okay? All right. Now, I hate to say it. I hate to tell you this when everybody, hold on, get your toes in your boots. Go to James chapter 1. I laughed yesterday. I was talking to, to, to Dr. Cook on, uh, for a, a bit. I called him in, to encourage him about how his book had encouraged me, and he was encouraging me, and I was encouraging him, and swords sharpening swords. And, and this scripture came up, James 1, and, and he said, yeah, he believed that James spoke this right off of the very first, at, at, right out of the bat, because if lightning was going to strike him, he wanted to get it out you know, before he was killed. I said, yeah, that's a good point. He says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And let patience have its perfect work, that you may per be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. But nobody wants to go through a trial. I mean, come on. I stood there looking outside the window saying, does it really have to snow? I mean, come on. I mean, we were almost out. We just needed another week. Been through the whole year, no frozen pipes and no mess ups, no nothing. And now, so does it have to do this? What do we do with this, Lord? Right? Like people like me, ain't got no sense. I don't know how to mess with the snow. I couldn't even find a shovel around my house. <laughs> I went and cut. I kept thinking, well, should I get that snow off the sidewalk or leave it on there? Finally, I said, well, I think it'd be more sense to get it off. So I went up there, didn't have anything, I had a one by six. So I, you know, being the carpenter I am, cut it on a 45 degree angle, got me a nice little old shaving point on there, got me a handle, whittled me a handle down, screwed it to the one by six and got out there. Shh, shh, shh. Well, it's rock like this. I didn't think nothing about it. You know, and it wasn't real pretty, but the biggest majority of the snow was off. Well, I forgot about like the snow sitting and all the indentions in the rock and whatever. Next morning, I stepped out, two buckets of feed in my hand. Had enough sense, tested the first rock level. Oh, yeah, that's dry. And got down to the next one. That's, oh, it's dry. Stepped on that thing, and here I went, man. Two bucks. I kept it going, man. I like to pull my back out, but I kept it going. Slid about three feet to my toes stuck in the snow. You know, sucked in all the cold air I could because I just knew I was going to crash. <coughs> Said, I ain't doing that again. So then I'm walking through the snow, crawling up on the side of my porch because I can't get on any of my sidewalks, you know. Nobody wants to go through a trial. Nobody wants to go through a trial. We all want comfort. Now, now this is where you're just going to please listen to the whole message. Don't turn me off. Do not turn off that dial. 
What we do is charismatics, okay? When we went through the charismatic renewal and, and God brought in revelation of, of, of praying the word and speaking the word and, and, and authority of the believer, and, and we, we went through all of this, I think that a lot of Christians developed a theology that says that basically now we have this revelation and that by faith we'll never have to go through a trial. I mean, we're supposed to be the good Holy Ghost charismatic church because I'm, you know, throw down some fire, pastor. But we developed a sense to where like, like anything, any obstacle comes away, we just say in the name of Jesus, be gone. And so we walk in, in you know, Candyland. So then if that's true, then why did James say, whoo, kind of joy when you're going through trial? Because he says, Read the rest of the verse, that the testing of your faith produces patience and let patience, that word patience doesn't mean to sit down and just say, oh, okay, I'll try to endure this and I'll smile. (laughs) No, it means endurance. It means making you rock solid. It means making you tough, making you hard, making you to where you can endure. Listen to me. Are we scared of five degrees and, and two foot of snow? We've been through it. We lived. It didn't kill us. It didn't eat us. I don't want to do it again. But if it comes, what will we say? Well, we've been through this for, remember back in 21. Better go wrap that pipe out and froze in 21. Am I right? Y'all are tougher because you went through a trial. You came out on the other end. You're going to say, listen to me now, if you don't learn, huh? See, you should be doing some evaluating today and started after things finally thawed out and you figured out what worked and what didn't. And you should be doing some evaluation in your life and in your house and in what's going on and how it was set up so that if you're faced with this again, you know what you should have already had prepared and done. You know, you're sitting there going along and all of a sudden, you know, oh, everything's going, it's, the boat's going okay. It looks like we're going to make it. No power. Ah, oh, we didn't think about that. And I got to tell you all this, this is, I'm not bragging here, okay? I'm just telling you about following the Holy Ghost. I I had a generator bought like two years ago, and I never put it in, never did anything with it. I was going to use it on a job construction site, and uh, I never did anything with it. Sat down in David's uh, shop down there for two years. And then finally, it's like he calls me up and says, you want me to, what do you want to do with this thing? It's been sitting out here forever. And so I was like, well, I was going to put it on a trailer and I was going to do this. Had all these big dreams about it. I was going to do this and do that. And I said, I'll just come put it in at the house. That was back in October. We did it. He came out, wired it all up, put the thing out there. Ain't not done nothing. Just sit out there. I don't know if it works or not. Just looking at it. Comes on, cycles 20 minutes every once a week. Listen to it. I said, I guess that thing's working. And then, baby, when the lights went out the other night, and then, oh, come on. And I looked over at my wife, and I, we, I said, give me a high five. We finally were ahead of the game. <laughs> I mean, I got up and did a little Holy Ghost dance around the house. Man, we, we got a generator, you know. It's like the first time ever in my life I've been ahead. <laughs> Most of the time I'm like, oh, why didn't I do that? And this one I was just so excited We jumped and danced, okay? Now, my point is, if you, through the trial of the snow, didn't learn something, that you're going to be prepared better the next time, well, then shame on you because you should. 
That's what the trial was for. We had to go through it to learn what pipe was going to need to be wrapped or what was going to need to happen or you should have had beans and rice and you should have done this and that and the other. And then let me tell you what, then when you get it down, see the next time you're like calling the neighbor, hey, did you prepare? You got anything? Oh, I didn't know this was going to happen. Yeah, well, I got double the amount. Come on over. You get large and enlarge because of the trial. So then you can be a blessing. But you got to walk through the trial. Hello? Now, if we would have never had the trial, nobody ever thought anything. I bet you the next time, guys, that y'all go to the store when things calm back down, you'll pick up a few more PVC fittings. Have a few spares. I thought about it. I said if the snow would melt, I could probably go around to every place I've ever fixed a pipe, and there's probably two or three laying on the ground that I never picked up. But I couldn't find them because it snowed. Okay. He says here, that if, you, if the testing of your faith produces endurance in you, then you will be perfect and complete, and you'll get to that place where you're lacking nothing. Okay, so the word trial there, it means an experiment, an attempt, a trial, or a proving. It's that thing that it's, it's, it's making you tougher. So now I want you to go into the Old Testament the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 27. So, trials do make you tough. And some trials, you know, you kind of got you to pray yourself through so that you're tougher on the other end of it. Amen? But see, where people get messed up in life is sometimes in this message, they take the message that I'm preaching today, they twist it around and they say, well, the trials are there and we just have to endure, just sit there patiently trying to let it have its perfect work until it kills me. Some trials, some things you should stand up and rebuke. And some trials are there to develop you to be a greater person. You have to know the difference. All right. Now, 1 Samuel chapter 27 is a chapter, you just you got to go reach in, in this whole thing, 27, 28, and 29, and 30. <clears throat> but anyway, I'll tell you what it says. In chapter 27 is David, he's been fleeing from Saul, okay? And he's been, he, Saul's been attacking him. He's been, he's been trying to get away from him. And he finally comes up with the idea that he's just going to go over to the city of Gath to the Philistines and go ahead to the king there, Achish, and he's just going to go ahead and become a Philistine, the archenemy of Israel. To the city, listen, to the city that sired Goliath. Goliath, go look it up, was from Gath. So David goes to the city of the giant that he slew, and then he goes to the King there said, look, I always want to saddle up with you guys. And he says, I don't think, you know, that's right. And David falls down, spits all over his beard, makes a big fit, throws in. They say, that guy's crazy. He's done out of his mind. Leave him alone. It's still David. Let him stay. So David stays in with the Philistines. So then David goes out. You can read this in chapter 27. And, and, and he goes out and, and he does raiding parties, but he doesn't go and raid in Israel. He goes and raids other places and comes back and says he got it in Israel. And they're all happy with him. And he's just living in the, in the camp of his enemy. So then chapter 28, time comes up that the Philistines are going to go fight Israel. So David just goes with them to fight Israel. Ain't making no sense here, folks. This is the man after God's own heart. And he's saddled up with his troops 
to go fight Israel. Rides out there and he would have, it seems as the story tells us, would have gone to battle against Israel. But the Philistines said, wait, what do you got this guy? This guy's a Hebrew. He can't fight with us. That's who we're fighting over here. He might do a, you know, <coughs> roundabout and stick us in the back and we ain't going to mess with him. So the king says, look, David, I know you're a good guy, but go on back home. I'm paraphrasing this, putting my own words, okay? Y'all, don't, you may not you know, find it all just exactly like that, but it is in there. So 1 Samuel 29, that chapter is then David goes home because he's rejected. And he's kind of, the, the reading of it, it's like he's kind of sorry about it. Like, oh, man. So this takes us, go to 1 Samuel 30, verse 1. So now he comes home to the city he's been living in called Ziklag. It says, verse 1, it says, Now that it happened that when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, that the Amalekites had invaded the south, and Ziklag was uh, attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire, had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there, was, there it was, burned with fire. Their wives, their sons, their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, whatever her name is there, Ahinoam and Abigail, and uh, they're all taken captive. And David is greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him because of the soul of all the people was grieved. And every man for his son and his daughter, but David strengthened himself in the Lord. Now look at this trial. You can look at just a few points in here. First, there was financial loss. The whole city's burned, all right? So there's personal financial loss to David, but then his whole fortified city's burned. So he's got no, no fort around him, okay? No walls. His family's gone. He's lost something personal to him, right? And then he's got all these mad people. They're, going, they're, th- they're talking of stoning him. So this is a pretty severe trial. Y'all all agree? Okay. But it's in this moment. Listen to me now. It's in this moment. How you react is going to determine your future. In that moment right there when it's all shot to pieces, when when the city's burned, you've lost it all. It's at that moment. That moment is the moment I'm trying to, I'm going to be teaching you how to, how to deal with it. At that exact moment, when that moment comes on you, what you do, what you act, what you say, what you believe at that moment is going to determine how your future is going to turn out. So it says David chose right. He encouraged himself in the Lord. So he chose God's way. Okay. But just because he chose God's way did not mean everything went perfect. Let's read on. Look at verse 8. So it says, David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue the troop, and shall I overtake them? And he answered and said, Pursue, for you shall overtake them, and, and without fail recover them. Now look at here. Looky here. Looky here. If David could have asked the Lord about that, why, do you think he maybe asked the Lord about going to fight Israel? Do you think he asked the Lord about going and living with the Philistines? Everybody say, I love grace. Mm, mm, mm. So he says, go out, overtake them. You're going to recover it all. So look at verse 9. 
So David went, he and his 600 men who were with him, and they came to the brook of Bersor. And where those who stayed were left where those who stayed were left behind, but David pursued, and the 400 men for 200 stayed behind who were too weary they could not cross the brook. So <clears throat> now the problems are increasing. He's got 600 men. He's going to go fight a whole bunch of Amalekites who we'll see in a minute they like covered the whole valley. 200 of his men said, man, I can't go on, I'm too tired. So now not only is David in the middle of a trial trying to accomplish something great, trying to get back what is his, then all of a sudden now he's got everybody flaking out on him. Okay? So it says in verse 16, and when he had brought him down, there they were spread all over the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. So these Amalekites had been, it wasn't just Ziklag they attacked. Okay, they were attacking the whole countryside, the Philistines and the land of Judah. They had many cities they had attacked. Then David attacked them from twilight until evening the next day. From twilight until evening of the next day. Hello? Now, I don't know, because twilight can mean in the morning at twilight or in the evening at twilight, okay? And so I don't know, but it's like a two-day battle here. I think it's safe to say that David fought for two days. Two days. He's got a weary army. He's battling for two days fighting in a battle. And it says, not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives, and nothing of theirs was lacking, neither small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David received it all. Okay? But he had a two-day battle to get it. Now go down to verse 20. Then David and all the flocks and the herds they had driven from those of the livestock said, this is David's spoil. Now David came to the 200 men who had been so weary they could not follow, David uh, of whom they had uh, stayed at the brook. And he went out to meet David and they met the people who were with him. And David came near the people and he greeted them. And when all the wicked and worthless men who went with David answered and said, because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil from which they've recovered except every man's wife and child that he may lead them away and depart. But David said, Brother, this, this shall not do with what the Lord has given us and, and who has preserved us and delivered into our hand the truth that came out against us. For who will heed you in this matter? But as his part was to go down to the battle, so his part was to stay with the supplies. They shall share alike. And so it was from that day forward. He made it a statute and an ordinance of Israel to this day. So here you go. Now he's got this. He's been fighting for two days. Now he gets back to the guys that retired. And now he's got division amongst his troops. What I'm saying to you is this trial keeps going on. It didn't end the first day just because he heard God. He's still having to go through the trial. Okay, now look at verse 26. Some of y'all are all looking depressed, but let me show you this one. Now, when David came to Ziklag, he sent some of the spoil to the elders of Judah, to his friends, saying, here's a present from all the spoil of the enemies of the Lord to those who are in Bethel. And he goes through and he lists all these towns. The spoil that David got from this, these raiding uh, Amalekites that had been everywhere was enough to bless 13 cities and all the places David roved, is what it says. In other words, he 
took on this trial. He endured this trial. He did it the right way. He allowed God to be working in him to where when the men are going to have a division, he's still following the plans of God, still saying the plans of God. And it's enlarging David. It's making him grow. The grace of God is working within him so that it, at the end of it, he's so wealthy that he blesses 13 cities and all the towns around him. And David pockets money, hear me, that he used to give to Solomon to build the temple of God from this trial. So he said, we don't want any trials. Oh, but wait, the trial, the testing of our faith, it produces patience or endurance so that we're not going to lack anything. So right off the bat, you're, you're probably saying, well, but how do I know if the problems I'm going through are a trial or is that just the devil? We're going to get into that. I can tell you there's no sense coming to me as the wise old sage and saying, Pastor, which is this, the devil or God? Because I, I can't tell you. You have to know that within your own heart. But I'm telling you that certain trials, like I believe the snow of 21, is just the snow of 21. And how we went through it and what we do with it is what's either going to enlarge us or make us bitter or move us farther south. (laughs) And at this rate, you're going to have to go a long way. Are y'all with me? Okay, so I want you now to go to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. 2 Timothy 1, 9. It says, Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. What I'm trying to get across this morning, and I'm going to get, I'm going to get more in depth in this over the next few services, is that grace is not an excuse for your mistakes. Grace is God's ability working on your behalf to make you larger to be more like Christ. Grace is a functioning tool within you to enlarge you and make you better. Make you more knowledgeable, make you more skillful, make you more like Christ. But if you don't yield to the grace of God, if this doctrine that's been taught for so long that grace is just the excuse or the the the, the excusing of your sin, it, then you you're looking at grace wrong, and it's not having any producing and some production and some work on the inside of you. It says right here. I called you the holy calling, not according to our works. In other words, not your ability. Because see, I don't like religious people. Let me, let me give you a definition. Somebody that is acts all religious, but they're not really inside their heart. I don't like those people. I don't like the coverings. I don't like, the, I don't like to, somebody just to, to do what Jesus said you know, in, in, in Matthew 23 when he was rebuking all the Pharisees. I don't like to just have the outside of the sepulcher looking good, but inside are dead men's bones. And religious people always tend to throw all the things on you about, oh, it's all about works. And they, if you're following the works, if you're following, you know, if, you've, if you're not doing this, 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 and this, then, oh, you must really be a good person. But that's not true. And it's not by works. It's by grace. 
according to his own purpose and grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before time again. God placed this and used this amazing grace on the inside of us to develop us if we'll work with grace. But if you don't want to work with grace, you're going to do it by yourself. You're going to do it with your own ability. You're going to do it with your own strength. You're going to become religious. And religion kills you. And a relationship with Jesus saves you. I'm preaching good. Go to 2 Peter chapter 1. Let me, let me build on this. 2 Peter 1, 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and, and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things. Everybody say all things. That pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which we have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in this world through lust. But also for this reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Uh-oh, here's another one of these building things. Add to your faith virtue and a virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For in these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful. So again, here he's talking about if you're enlarging yourself, you're going to become more productive. Are y'all with me? I mean, this snowstorm was perfect as an example of what we just walked through. Somebody new moves in, and you look and say, well, I don't know what grid you were on, but if you're on this one, you know, if it ever does have those rolling blackouts, again, you're going to have one hour and 45, you're going to have an hour, and then you're going to be off 45 minutes. You're going to have an hour and be off 45 minutes. You better get her down. Hello? You're going to have knowledge to give to somebody to enlarge them and to help them. But wait a minute, let's say this is our Christian walk. You see what I mean? This is the whole purpose is to help people grow in Christ. So all of a sudden you went through a trial, but you did it allowing grace to work within you and build you and strengthen you and, and develop you. Now you have something to say that's not just religious wind. You have something to say that is fountains of living water flowing from your heart because you went through it and saw God deliver you to enlarge you, to stretch you, to strengthen you, to develop you. Mm, mm, mm. He says here, it says, let me read this again. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things, he's short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleared from his old sins. <clears throat> so, you know, I don't think any of us, unless you just really are living in a hole, didn't know that there was some bad weather coming. It's like, it's like, you know, and the, the, the blessing that we live in nowadays is, you know, you have weather forecast and, and you know, the, I've always been shocked at the people that say, you know, a hurricane, you know, is developing in the ocean and, you know, la, 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 it's coming and, and it's going to be on your doorstep in three days. And then you watch the news and there's people like, what? And they run around, let's get some plywood, put up all the windows. Oh my God, we're really plywood, plywood's all gone. Well, if you thought that, if you, they told you three days ahead before, don't you think you should have prepared a little bit? What do you think? Is, well, it may change course. The faith that has takes to believe it's going to change course should have just been used in 
you'll use the plywood next time or build somebody a cat, uh, a shelf. <laughs> I mean, you could have found something else to do with it. Hello? Like myself, I'll be honest with you, I have PVC fittings from, from you know, just life everywhere. They're everywhere. But where are they when I need them? Right? Scattered a piece over in this box. That one of the things on my list to do is to arrange my PVC fittings. Hello? I mean, I've got stuff that I, like I, I, I worked on 10 or 12 years ago, was a big project and had stuff left over and I didn't take it back or anything. And it's just in a box and it's in there in the garage. But it's not with the one, the stuff I just did five years ago, nor the stuff I just did one year ago, or the stuff I just did six months ago, not within just loosely rolling around in my toolboxes. Y'all follow me? But when it's freezing cold, you just shouldn't be out there looking for a stupid PVC fitting. If I'd uh, arranged them and had them sitting up there, walked over there, three-quarter fitting, got it right here, sweetie, no problem. But see, I didn't prepare. And what I'm saying to you is, I don't think we should be psycho about it, but if you don't use the knowledge you've gained through this to build yourself into the future, shame on you. I mean, we cooked up a big pot of beans and a roast on Sunday, and we never cooked all through the week. We ate the leftovers. Didn't have to. No, we did break down, got some, made some rice, and make some rice, put the rice into beans. New meal was just beans. Now it's rice and beans. And then it got down to sausage, rice, beans, and sausage in there, okay? So, I mean, you know, multi-course meal all in a bowl. Perfect. Are y'all with me here? So my point is, this is the same as with Jesus. If we just keep bumbling through life and not growing in Christ, allowing the grace of God to develop us, well, then what happens? We just keep walking in from one trial to the next trial to the next trial, not getting any better, not getting any sharper, not getting any, you know, more wily with our swords of the spirit. And then we just always go, I'm always in a trial. I'm just always in a trial. Well, maybe it's because you ain't learned in the last 15 you've been in. Because it says here that the more you add to yourself, the larger you become. But what's going to happen? I'm just challenging you here this morning. What's going to happen with you? After the sun comes out and, and, and we get into spring, are you going to forget about the, the, the frostbite of 21? I can guarantee y'all one thing. I don't care if I have to go to Minnesota or the coldest place I can find and find a pair of gloves that aren't that will keep my fingers warm. I'm blessed God going to get them and they're going to be in a box waiting for the next time. That was the most, I couldn't find anything. I was about to ready to just get baggies on there. Poor old finger. I just thought I might have to just cut it off. I didn't think it's even going to ever come back. And I'm going to have me a pair of gloves at 115 degrees when it gets here. Cause I have a, I have a, a shot of my thermometer on my truck when it said 115 and I got one that says five. Had a big difference, okay? But I'm going to have me a pair of gloves. You can just bet on that, buddy, that you guarantee you, you at, at 100, you couldn't put them on, they'll burn your hand. I don't care if I got to get a 12-volt battery pack put on my back to make something warm. I ain't never going to do that again. I'm going to buy me a new set of bib overalls. I was sitting there looking at those things. 
They got some out there. I don't care how much they want for them. I don't care. Money's going to be, you know, it's not going to even be in the picture because I was too cold. I can guarantee you what. I'm going to be prepared. It may not ever even get below 30. It don't matter. I got it. And I'll be ready. Are y'all with me? That's how it is with Christianity. Your walk with Christ, you've got to develop through the trials. You've got to enlarge through the trials. You've got to get to that place through the trials. You grew through it. You defeated it. You now have armor in your belt that you know God defeats those things. The funniest thing about the snow, and see, y'all, some of y'all, you've got to understand me, okay? I hate snow. I hate cold. My first hunting trip, I was 15. My father took me on. The worst blizzard ever in Chama, New Mexico came. We were belly deep. We were belly deep in snow. You've never seen snow like this. It was the worst trip of my entire life. I froze for a week. I hated it. I never went back. I said, oh, that was just a freak thing. It's never happened again. I said, I ain't going. And I never went back. The clothes that I had, is this true? I came home and I gave them away. Snow boots. You know, all the stuff gave everything away. Isn't that right, Lord? Gave them all away because I said, I'll never use them again because I ain't going that far north ever again at that time of year. End of story. Then 20 years goes by. I get talked into another hunting trip. The, 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 the pain of the snow has, you know, uh, and the cold has gone. And so I go. And what happens? Must be 20 year cycles or Robert shows up. Worse, I mean, we had the tent tied to the front of the truck to keep it from blowing away from the blizzard, you know. Again, belly deep in snow, froze. So that's it. I ain't going back. So Monday morning, I'm trying to get the water going, and I go out. I come back in, tell Laura, I ain't got enough clothes on. This ain't no good. So I had to totally redress, and I go back outside. I said, uh, this ain't going to work either. You know, it's what was it? You know, like the wind chill factor was negative. Something I walk out there. Oh, this ain't going to work. I got to go dig. Man, I dig through the closets, man. I go back out third time. No, that ain't good enough either. We're going to do something else. And I remember I didn't give those clothes away 20 years ago. So I go to digging deep. Sure enough, find the snow boots, get them out, say, put them on too small. Don't fit. I just take a thinner sock, shove my foot down in it, strap them babies on. Man, I bring out the Gore-Tex jacket. I bring out this. Remember, I got a set of Gore-Tex pants up in the Harley up there to keep from getting wet. I said, I'm going to go get those. I got on britches. I got on britches. And I got on britches. To where I look like the Michelin man walking around. <laughs> but I wasn't cold. Except my fingers. Man, oh, man, I didn't have anything for them. Anyway, my point is, I'm not going to get caught like that again. The same with your Christian walk. Are you going to allow, allow yourself to get caught like that again? Folks, we're in some tumultuous times. I do not know if all the shakings going on with the elections and the, you know, everybody being stressed and traumatized and then this. I mean, it's just like, what's next? But I want to tell you something. You've got to be prepared for what's next. You've got to have that on the inside of you, that relationship with Jesus, so strong and so firm on the inside of you. When it comes, you say, that? I kill you. You're no big deal. I'm not scared of that army of Amalekites. Are y'all with me? 
You've developed such a relationship with the Lord that you're hearing from him and the grace of God is building you and strengthening you. And you're just adding into your arsenal more things. You're just adding to your, you know, your perseverance and your strength and your knowledge and your whatever. And you're just growing bigger and bigger and bigger till you just have this relationship with the Lord. That's just, man, you're truly an overcomer and more than a conqueror. So I'm. Yeah, I'm hungry too. But let me just tell you where I'm going. I'm going to tell you. In Titus, the book of Titus. Now, most people read over the book of Titus, but you got to understand something. Titus is all throughout the book of Acts. Titus was was Paul's uh, right-hand man. Titus was a man that he sent to establish and start churches all over the place where there were none, where there, were, where there was hostility towards Christianity. And Titus went into these places and had the gifting to set up churches and get leaders and, 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 and deacons established and the elders going and get everything going and do this and then go on to the next place and be back and check on. Titus is an amazing, amazing man of God. Okay? So the Lord's stirring everything I just said to you this morning in me. And then I'm reading the book of Titus. And I want to show it to you here. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. Have just enough time to introduce you to this, and then we're going to go eat. And this is where I got the Titus effect. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. The Titus effect. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, Godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed, purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works, speaking these things, exhorting and rebuking with all authority. Now, if you look at the very first verse, for the grace of God, I'm in Titus 2, 11, the grace of God that brings salvation. The Titus effect is I'm going to teach you eight principles that's going to let you see the grace of God in a different light and allow the grace of God to begin to work in you to develop you to be everything you can be. And all you have to be doing, all you have to do, all you have to be willing to do is yield to the grace of God. And if you do it, the effect will begin to happen. But if you want to do it by works, oh, that's just, I'm just going to do it. I can do it on my own. You're going to become religious and a stench in the nostrils of God. But if you let yourself, and some of y'all are already walking in this and doing this. Okay? You're already walking in this and doing this. But you don't know how to gauge yourself. You don't know where you are in life. And I want to teach you how to gauge yourself. I want to show you where you find the meter to see how well you're doing on your walk. So you can just check in your heart. You can just go, oh, right, on, right on course. Doing good. Thank you, Lord. Appreciate it. Now, just put your Bibles up. I just want to say this one, because I'm, I'm, I'm telling you what, I'm encouraging y'all. Y'all are amazing people. Listen to me. <clears throat> Do not get offended, please. But I think most of y'all know that we're just country people. Hello? I mean, if I took you to a fine restaurant, hey, none of you are going to know what fork to use. I remember one time I went to a restaurant, 
and they brought me a chilled fork. And I picked it up, and it was chilled. And I was like, what the that cold fork here? And they're like, yeah, that's for you to eat your salad with. And I'm like, huh, why do I want to stick that thing in my mouth for? Probably make my feeling hurt. Give me a fork. You know, we're redneck. I mean, all of us are. You got to admit it. Yeah, I know you want to thank your culture, but you're not. I can look around here and look in your faces. Some of you may know a few tricks. Some of you may be able to pull it off a little better than others, but you're going to get found out. I'm sorry. Somewhere along the line, no matter how well you've performed and you've studied your elocution lessons, you're going to mess up. And they're going to say, redneck! But I want to tell you something. Y'all are some of the most amazing people on the face of the earth. I believe it with all of my heart. I believe that Jesus is very, very proud of y'all. I believe he looks on you with a, with a smile on his face. I believe that when we sit here and watch a video of seeing all of those children rescued and y'all's part wasn't just, you know, you, you, you bought some beans and rice. You built buildings. I don't know if you noticed in that video when it goes away, then there's a church sitting up on top of it that y'all built. And you see all of that, that, that this church has put into those children. And you see lives being changed. Folks, that's not the norm. Most Christians are so tight they wouldn't, you know, they'd crawl under the gate to keep from wearing the hinges out, okay? And so <clears throat> it's the truth. It's the truth. But you, mighty men and women of God, have done things like this that just so affect the world. And I'm telling you, we're, we're, we're going to be doing more and doing more and doing more. And I believe with all of my heart, and, and I hope you all will get on track with me here, because I believe after I show you this in the Titus effect, I believe some of you, your, your motors are going to start to run better than they've ever run before in your spirit. And you're going to start to become just even more amazing. You're already amazing, but I, 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 just, I, I just see this whole thing. It was like, as I sat there looking at the demon snow blowing, I was like, Lord, and I was just seeing the church and I was just seeing y'all growing and I was just seeing y'all flourishing and I was seeing from the people that are watching in the broadcasts around this world that we don't even know starting churches and, and, and developing people and seeing things going and all this great. And when someone comes and says, boy, how did y'all do this? I say, it's a grace of God. But for the grace of God, I wouldn't be here. And just, they're like, well, uh, but, but what did you do? Uh, uh, we got the Titus effect. I had a nice name and we held on to it. But I mean, the bottom line, it was just the grace of God working in us. And we just yielded to it. And he just developed us. And then these things just happened. And I don't really understand how, because it's grace. Because if it was works, I would have messed it up because I'm redneck. But if you grab this and you look at it, because folks, you can do it. You're already doing it, but I'm going to show you how to hone it in. I'm going to show you how to check yourself. I'm going to show you how to always, man, go higher than you could have ever believed. Hit the ball farther than you could have ever imagined. By walking in the Titus effect and seeing what it's doing in you by letting the grace of God work in you. And if you're willing, you're, you're even going to be more awesome than you already are. Because I believe that no matter what's coming, if we're prepared, it won't make any difference. We got snowstorms down. We all know about heat. Basically, you just get some sweet tea and go out and get underneath the cedar tree, right? I mean, that's it. 
You follow me? We got those. We're getting those things. We're getting these things under our belt. But I'm telling you what, spiritually, we're going to get some things under the belt so that when you're just at the coffee shop and somebody says this, you're just going to be able to say, no, this is this. And rivers of living water are going to flow right out of you. Boom, pop, pop. Have an answer for them. And then everybody's going to say, man, what have you been doing? You've been going to school for, you know, all your life to get that, understand that knowledge. Just, no, nah, I just, just started relying on the grace of God. God just working through me, his great ability worked through me. That's all it was. Yeah, I, I ain't nothing but just a host. <laughs> all I offered and brought to the table was my living body and my heart and soul. Amen? So be encouraged. Be encouraged. We got good days ahead of us. No matter what craziness is thrown next. We got good days ahead of us. Don't get discouraged right now. Be encouraged. Pat yourself on the back. You survived. You're here. Learn and grow. And it's going to be amazing. Amen? Amen. Well, stand to your feet. Can I have my prayer team come down, please? For every one of you out there watching or listening to the broadcast today, I just want to tell you, man, Jesus loves you. He, he, he just cares so much for you. His grace is there for you to come to Christ. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you don't know that he died on a cross for you. You don't know that your sins can be forgiven. You don't know that you can have peace with God. Well, then I'm telling you, you can, because Jesus said, by grace, you have been saved. So if you desire Jesus, all you have to do is call upon him. It says anyone that calls upon him, the word says anyone that calls upon him will not be ashamed. He'll not turn you away nor Deafen his ear to your cry. If you call upon him, he'll save you. He'll give your life. He will, he will save your life if you'll give it to him. So all you have to do is right there pray and say, Jesus, come into my life. I want you in my life. I want to ask you to forgive me of my sins. Wash me in the blood. Let me see heaven's doors. And he will. If you're in here today, we have prayer people up here. And so if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're not sure inside of your heart that if you died today, you'd go to heaven. That's why these people are up here to pray with you, to come and just simply say, I just want, I just want to meet Jesus. Can you, can, can you pray with me? And they will. Amen. You can come over here and get a hug from a baby. <laughs> Woohoo! We have all kinds of special prayer people. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, we're here. We're going to have dinner on the grounds. I'm going to pray over the food and bless it. Have some fellowship today. Go meet somebody. Go make a new friend today. You, man, listen to me. Think of it this way. If you just talk to your old buddy that already told you how his pipes broke and what he did, you go visit with somebody else. They may have a better idea. <laughs> Amen. Take the hand of that person beside you. Father, I just declare over this whole congregation, over everyone out there that's watching and everyone that's in here, I declare, Lord God, that we're in a new phase of life. I declare this church is going to go farther than we've ever gone before. We're going to do more than we've ever even could imagine that was possible because of the grace that's going to abound, because of the Titus effect that's going to take place in this church. I thank you for it, Lord. I ask you today to just move and flow. Lord, where we've been through this trial this week, I declare that we've overcome, we've conquered, we're greater, we're stronger than we've ever been before. But Lord, the same development in Christ is what we want. And so Lord, I, I know you see every person's heart, you know, everything going on. And so bless them this day, Lord. Bless them exceedingly abundant beyond they could even think or ask. In 
Bless the food today in our fellowship. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you, church.